Um, so if you're new with us, we are in week five of a sermon series that we're calling Questionable Lives. And it's all based on this really amazing book called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. And if you are just coming in today, you're, you know, you, I think you'll be able to catch up. But just to give you some context, if you're interested in the subject matter, um, you can go back to our website, mycbcb.com, and watch some of the past sermons. Or if you're here today and you have not been here leading up to this, if you'll stop at our Connection Center, they will give you a copy of that book for you to read. It's a really important book, I think, for us all to understand. It's all about how um, regular people, right, people that are not amazing evangelists, people that are not incredible public speakers, can actually be part of the instructions and the commission that Jesus gave us in Mark 16, 15. Here's what he said. Go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. This is a huge, huge, important responsibility because look what he says next in verse 16. As you're preaching the good news, as you're telling people the good news, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And I think what's different, what's an amazing concept, a different idea about this book is that to help share the good news in the world, you don't, you don't have to make amazing speeches. You don't have to do incredible presentations. You don't have to rent out a stadium and fill it up with people and preach an incredible message or have thousands of followers on social media. That may not be your calling. That may not be the way that God designed you. That may, you may not be called or gifted as a public evangelist, and that's okay. Because you can still be part of getting the good news about God's kingdom out to the world, and all you have to do is live a questionable life, a life that brings up questions about Jesus, and then when the questions come up, we answer them. I, mean, I think it's really important to say that when we say live a questionable life, we're not just talking about being a weirdo, right? It's, it's, it is a little of that, but it's living a life of what we're calling missional habits. Missional habits, and each one of these habits um, invites questions from non-believers about Jesus, and each one of these missional habits draws us closer to Jesus and makes us more like him. So we've been We've been learning and we've been practicing and we've been adding a new habit each week. Uh, how many of you have at least tried some of these habits? That's awesome, you guys are the best. Thank you for doing that. Um, and we've used this acronym, B-E-L-L-S, BELLS, and we've got a little chart and this is gonna be what the habits are down the left side and then kind of what we're trying to do each week to develop that habit, and that's gonna make people ask us questions, but it's also gonna change something about us and make us more like Jesus, and that attribute is the value developed down the right side. So the first week we said we were gonna bless people. That's it, that, that was gonna be the weird, questionable thing. We're just gonna bless three people that week. At least one of them had to not go to church with us, and when we did that, look what it develops in us. Not only did it make people ask us questions, why are you being so nice to me, right? It also developed something in us that made us more generous made us more Christ-like. The second week, we talked about eating with people and the just amazing magic that happens when we share a meal together. And we said that we were gonna to try to eat with three different people during the week. At least one of them is somebody that we don't go to church with. And that was gonna be an opportunity for conversation about Jesus. That was gonna be for them to connect to us and bond to us and for them to see the Jesus in us. And that was gonna invite questions, but look what it does for us. It makes us more hospitable. Right? And then last week we said we were gonna to learn to listen. We were gonna spend some period of time, at least one chunk of time, at some time during the week that we were gonna spend just quietly listening 
to the Holy Spirit so that he could change us, so that he could speak to us, so that he could lead us. Who should I bless? Who should I eat with? What should I say when they ask the questions that he could lead us? So not only was that gonna get people to ask us questions or us to know who to attack, also, we were gonna be spirit-led. What is more Christ-like than being spirit-led? And then this week, our habit is that we're going to learn. We are going to spend at least one period of the week learning Christ. And as we do, obviously that's gonna get people to ask us questions, we're gonna be better ready to answer those questions, and it's gonna make us more Christ-like. So learning Christ is kind of our, our, our goal this week. We're gonna spend some time learning Christ. And as I was thinking about this this week, I thought, I mean, the word Christ even, the word itself, do, do we even know, like, what is, what is, is, is that like Jesus' middle name? Is Jesus Christ Godson, is that, is that what it is? It's, it's, it's not, it's not, Christ isn't a name, it's a title, right? Like President Washington, right? Pastor Andrea, Christ Jesus. And Christ is the word that we get from the Greek word Christos, which is actually an interpretation of a Hebrew word. And that word, I think you've all heard, is Mashiach. Can you say that with me? Mashiach. You gotta kinda clear the throat at the end. Mashiach. And that's the, that's the Hebrew word, and we usually say Messiah. And what that word means is anointed. It means the one that was specially set apart by God. It means the one that was chosen by God. It was the one that has been sent by God to change the world. And so this week, we're gonna work on the habit of learning Christ. Um, last week, I was thinking about learning a lot in the last couple of weeks. I was um, walking through her house and Margaret's sitting on the couch and she's answering emails on her phone, but she's got the TV on and it's on Jeopardy. You guys ever watch Jeopardy? It's really great because it keeps you humble, right? It makes you realize how stupid you are, right? So I'm walking through there and the category was the masters. And I thought to myself, this could go one of two ways, right? Because if it's talking about like Renaissance artists, I'm just gonna keep walking. Right? But if it's talking about the golf tournament, then I'm gonna sit down right here and dazzle my wife with my intelligence, right? And so I kind of slowed down. I was like walking off fast and I kind of slowed down to see what it was and it was a golf tournament. And so I sat down and guess what? Five questions, I got them all right. I got them all right before those crazy brainiacs on that show got them right, right? And so as it turns out, I'm kind of a genius. Right? On that subject. On that subject. But the problem is that information about Augusta National Golf Club and Bobby Jones and Amen Corner and Hogan's Bridge and Magnolia Lane and that Jack Nicholas is the oldest winner at age 46 in 1986 and he was wearing a yellow shirt on that Sunday. I mean, as it turns out, that information is not that useful in real life, but neither are most of the categories on that show. You know, I watch that show and I see the people, they can choose anything they want, right? There's all these categories and it's like, I'll take Russian novelist for 400. <laughs> what? Who, why? <laughs> Give me quantum physics for 800, right? You ever watch the show? The category, the people, it's like, I'll take Yugoslavian architecture for 1,000, please. <laughs> I, I watch it, it's like, like who, who knows that stuff? How do they know that stuff? Why do they know that stuff? Because I could kill on Jeopardy 
if I could pick my own categories, right? If they would just, you know, give me funny movies of the 70s for 600 bucks, I'm in, right? Ice cream flavors for 1,000, bring it, right? Give me stuff Larry knows for 1,400. That's, I'll, I'll kill it, right? And that's, I know, like, my categories seem useless, but I, I mean, are, are mine more useless than theirs? How much do you really need to know in life about Russian novelists, right? And this is the same conversation I had with my high school algebra teacher. So she was like, she kept me after school like all the time. I thought she was just lonely or what her deal was. She wanted somebody to talk to. But one day I was talking to her and uh, we spent a lot of the quality time together after school. And she said, let me ask you a question. Are you even trying? Because I mean, I just can't believe anybody's this dumb. You know, like, are you, are you like applying yourself? Are you trying? And I said, I have to tell you, I just, I just can't see any value in this information and trying to learn this information. And if you're under 18, don't listen to this, but I've lived a pretty full, happy life and I have not thought about polynomials <laughs> or coefficients or quadratic equations since 1977. So I just, like I wonder if I would have been better off learning something like, more valuable I wonder if I would have been better off, you know, teach me something, teach me how to balance a budget, you know, teach me how to be a good husband, right? Teach me how to back up a trailer. <laughs> teach me how to put string in a weed whacker, you know? <laughs> teach me something, plunge a toilet. Show me something, do something, teach me something that I, that I can, I wanna learn something. If I'm gonna learn, it's a lot of work for me. If I'm gonna learn something, I wanna learn something that matters. And this week's missional habit is to learn the most important thing. It's, it's to learn Christ. And learning Christ is the best habit that you could ever develop because like all these great missional habits, it does both things, right? It propels us upward into Jesus. So as I'm learning Christ, think about this, the more, the more time I spend learning about him, the closer I'm gonna become to him and the more I'm gonna become like him. And that's, that's kind of the goal, right? We're supposed to be, we're Christians. We're imitating Jesus. This word Christian means little Christs. Did you know that? It means little, it's like, it like Jesus Jr. And that's like Jesusito. That's, that's who we're, right? That's who we're being called to be. We're supposed to be little versions of him. So yeah, learning Christ propels us into Jesus. Look what Jesus prayed for you. This is in John 17, 17. I want you to look at this verse. This is Jesus praying for his disciples. And he says, I'm praying this for the people that are here, the guys that I've taught, and I'm also praying for the people that they will teach and they will teach and they will teach and they will teach. This is for you. This is what Jesus prayed for us. He said, make them holy, sanctify them. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So he's saying God is gonna make us holy by the truth of his word. And then this is kind of a funny, like nerdy sidebar or whatever, but look at John 14, six. And I'll let you look at the verse. What does Jesus say, or who does Jesus say is the truth? He, Jesus is the truth. And then John 1, one, it's a, a passage that we all know. In the beginning, the word already existed and the word was with God and the word was God. Who was the word? Jesus. So 
Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the word. So if we look at that John 17, 17 again, Jesus could just as easily have asked God to, to make us holy by me, right? Teach them me. Learning Christ propels us upward into Jesus. It makes us more like him. It draws us closer to him. And it also does the second thing that we want from our missional habits, and that is that it propels us outward. It doesn't just propel us inward towards Jesus. It, it propels us outward into the lives of our neighbors. And so remember our verse in 1 Peter 3.15. Peter said, always be ready to explain your hope as a believer. And I think, for one thing, the more we know Jesus, the more hopeful we become and the more ready we are to explain why. I think learning Jesus is the best preparation we can have for these questions. This is the one question that people keep asking me about this series. I get it, man, behavioral, missional behaviors, I get it, turning these things into habits, I get it, I'm gonna live a questionable life, got that part, people are gonna ask me questions, now what am I gonna do, right? And last week we talked about listening to the Holy Spirit, but we also wanna be ready by learning Jesus. So. The more you learn Jesus, the more ready you are to answer these questions. And even if they're challenging you, like right, if somebody says, okay, well I've seen you living this mission alive, I got a question for you. Um, isn't Christianity really mostly about rules? And then you can say, well, you know, actually what I've learned is, in Matthew 22, Jesus took all the rules, all the laws of God, and condensed them down to two. And the only real laws that we have as Christian are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So what I've learned is it's not just about a bunch of rules, but we had to learn that to have that answer ready. Do you follow me on that? If somebody were to say to you, you know what, I don't, isn't, Christi isn't Christianity just kind of like boring, right? Wasn't Jesus like kind of a stuffy, religious person? And you can say, you know what, that's what I thought too, but what I've really learned in Matthew 11 is that Jesus was actually accused by the people around him of eating and drinking and partying too much. And that the actual first, the first miracle that Jesus ever did as an adult was at a wedding where he turned water into wine. So yeah, I, I can see why you would think that he was boring and stuffy and all that stuff, but what I've learned is that that's just the opposite. If somebody asks you a really hard question, here's one, isn't Christianity really all about excluding people and, and holding down marginalized people? like the LGBTQ community. Isn't that really what Christianity is all about, is holding down and excluding marginalized people? And you can say, you know, I, I can see, I know some Christians make it seem that way, but what I've learned is Jesus was constantly going to marginalized people. Jesus was constantly drawing in marginalized people. What I've learned is that Jesus was reaching out to people that nobody else was reaching out to in his day, like women, right, like children, like the mentally ill like people that were demon-possessed, like tax collectors and criminals and prostitutes and lepers. If you wanna talk about people that were marginalized, right? We talk about marginalized people in our society. Lepers were forced to move out of their houses because they were so contagious. They were forced to leave town. They were not allowed to have human contact of any kind. They had to wear a sign around their neck that warned people that they were unclean and nobody would come near them. These are the most marginalized people maybe in history, but Jesus, included them. Jesus invited them in. So what I've learned is that Christianity doesn't exclude anybody. It doesn't hold down marginalized people at all. In fact, I learned that in John 3:16 it says that God so loved the world. 
Right? Not that God so loved a tiny little group of people. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus so that anyone who believed in him could live forever. And so, yeah, I've kind of learned that that's, that's not true at all about Christianity. You see how good it is to, to learn Jesus, and you're kind of ready with some answers. Um, if somebody were to say to you, you know, Jesus probably wouldn't want me though, right? I mean, right, I'm probably not Jesus material. So that, the, you need to have an answer ready for that, and you could just say to them, you know, I know people make it seem that way, and I know maybe society makes it feel that way, but what I've learned is that Jesus called all kinds of people to him, and that the one thing they had in common was that they were all broken. In fact, in Luke 5.31, Jesus said, I haven't come for religious people. I didn't come for religious people that think that they're well. I've come for broken people that know that they're broken and that they need me. You're actually exactly who Jesus came for. Do you see how good it is to learn Jesus in advance? And then when these questions come up, the more we, the more we learn Christ, the closer we'll grow to him, the more we'll become like him, and the more ready we'll be to answer questions from people when they come up. So yeah, this is gonna be our challenge for the week. We're gonna spend, what does that one say, a period? A period of time, a, a portion, a chunk of time. It would be cool to do it every day instead of once a week. It would be cool if your chunk of time could be five hours, right? But all we're really gonna try to bite off this week is at least once this week, we're gonna select a period of time. Maybe it's 10 minutes for you, Maybe it's 10 hours for you, whatever it is, but we're gonna decide in advance. You know what, Wednesday morning from 10 to 11, I am going to learn Jesus. Or Thursday afternoon on my coffee break, I'm gonna take 15 minutes and I'm gonna learn Jesus. We're gonna choose a certain time and we're gonna spend that time learning Christ. So there's lots of ways um, to learn Christ, right? And today I'm gonna talk to you about three. Three specific ways that you can, so now I've set aside my hour or my 20 minutes or whatever it is, what am I supposed to do during that time? Here's the first one. You can read about him. You can read about him. Um, probably more has been written about Jesus than any other human in history, and there's tons of stuff that you can read. If you wanna learn Christ, you can read about him. Um, a good place to start is in the Gospels. That's the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm gonna tell you that there are not many people who walked around 2,000 years ago that we actually have four eyewitness biographies, right? There's almost nobody that we have four actual people that have different perspectives. That's kind of the point of having Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Instead of just one person writing it down, we get four different perspectives. They followed Jesus around. They wrote down what was going on there. In fact, Luke even did like a big investigation and interviewed a whole bunch of people to make sure that he could corroborate all the stories. So probably the first place I would start if I was gonna try to learn Jesus is I would read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And you're gonna see that they're completely different. Um, Matthew takes twice as many chapters as Mark to tell the same story. They're just different people. They're just, you know people like that, right? And Mark is just straight to the business, man, straight to the business. Matthew's telling every word that everybody said and what he was wearing and how hot it was that day. And Mark is just like, bam, straight with the business. Um, Luke was a doctor, so he's all about kind of information. He's very intent on getting the facts straight. So he even interviewed other people to make sure that he had his story right. John seems like, to me, like the most relational one. And he, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved, right? He talks a lot about the love that Jesus has and all that, so he's more of a relational. So these are like four different versions 
the exact same story. So I would start with the Gospels. Um, then you can also read the rest of the New Testament. You know, it's not just that. The, the whole thing's about Jesus, right? And so like, if you read, um, so the New Testament is, is the Gospels, and then Acts is kind of like a history book about the early church, and then the rest of it's letters, mostly. And so these are letters that Paul wrote to different people or to different churches and all that. It's kind of like the, the Gospels tell the stories of Jesus and like the teachings of Jesus. And then I think Paul does a really great job of kind of explaining like the theological truth about who Jesus is, right? And so listen to this, if, you, if, you wanna, if you're ever gonna write a sermon series and you want it to last a whole year, here's your passage, okay? This could last for the rest of your life. It's just, this, look how dense this is in theology. This is Colossians 1:15. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Okay, you could preach that for a month, right? He existed before anything was created. He's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. It's a really interesting concept. He holds everything together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning. He's supreme over all who rise from the dead. He's first in everything. So God, in all of his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. God, I mean, that's, that's a, you could talk about that for an hour. God, in all of his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. That's interesting to me, not just everybody. He reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Jesus' blood on the cross. So the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're awesome, but you can also learn a lot about Christ from the New Testament letters. And then I think a lot of people are surprised to find out that the whole story of the Old Testament leads to Jesus. I mean, I remember growing up and it was like the Old Testament we thought of as like being history, and then the New Testament was like Jesus to now, right? And that's, I mean, that's, that's not true. Um, the Old Testament's all about Jesus. And first of all, there are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament, starting in the Garden of Eden. They're prophesied about this coming Messiah. The whole story of the Old Testament is leading up to this coming Messiah that was gonna be the Adam, was gonna be the man that Adam couldn't be, and was gonna reconcile this thing that Adam broke, and was gonna reunite God and his space to man in his space, and all the, all the Old Testament heroes, it's, it's telling us that he's coming, and then every hero we read about, again, I, I was, I was, when I was a kid, I thought, when I read the story of David, I was supposed to say, I should be brave like David. Like, that's the point of that story, right? I should have faith like Joseph. Oh, I should be strong like Daniel. I thought that's why we were learning those stories, and maybe there's value in that, but these things were pointing us to Jesus. Each one of those, each one of those heroes was like teasing us, like, he's coming, he's coming. But who's he gonna be? Is it Noah? Is it gonna be Noah? He's the best man on earth. He seemed like God's, is it gonna be Noah? And then Noah blows it, right? He can't beat sin. Is it Abraham? He's got amazing faith. God chose him, he did what he was told. Is it gonna be Abraham? And then Abraham blows it, right? We just keep thinking these, these guys, these heroes, is it gonna be Moses? Is it gonna be Moses? I mean, he's powerful, people are following him, he's leading him out of slavery. Is, is he gonna be the Messiah? 
and then he blows it. It's like one by one, we're being teased, right? We're being, these are foreshadowings of Jesus. These are, these are wetting our appetite for the Messiah coming. Each one of those people is a foreshadowing of Jesus to, to make us look harder, to ask him, well, if it's not Moses, who is it? I thought it was David, but if it's not David, who is it? This is foreshadowing, this is intentional, this is genius in the Bible. Um, think of the story of Joseph. You know the story of Joseph? You know the story of Jesus? Okay. See if you see any similarities, okay? I'll tell you the story of Joseph. Um, he was his father's favorite special son. He was betrayed by his own people. He overcame temptation. He was accused unjustly. He was thrown into a hole and left for dead. He rose up out of that hole to a place of power and authority. He saved the people who betrayed him. Does that sound familiar to you? Right? This, is, this, is, this is foreshadowing of Jesus. And the Old Testament is full. It is rich. It's pregnant with this idea of teasing us just a little bit with this Messiah is coming. So not only are these prophecies in there to tell us that Jesus is coming, there's all these little foreshadowings teasing us that Jesus is coming. And then Jesus even makes some little like cameo appearances in the Old Testament. Did you, did you know that? Who here knows who Stan Lee is? You know Stan Lee? He's the comic guy, right? So he kind of invented Spider-Man and the Hulk and all that stuff. And if you watch a Marvel superhero movie, which I know none of you do because you're Christians, but maybe your friends do. Stan Lee will like show up in those movies. He's past now, but he will, he'll like show up as a character like he's the bus driver or something. Like he's, not, he's a waiter or something. He's not the keeper, but he's like makes these cameo appearances, right? And Jesus did that in the Old Testament before Bethlehem. Um, some people call these appearances Christophanies. Christophanies. And so if you want to really impress your friends, at your life group next week, just tell them, you know, I've been kind of doing a little study about the pre-incarnate Christophanies of Jesus in the Hebrew Bible and, uh, you know, their eschatological implications in the New Testament. So, <laughs> that's what I'm working on. So that'll just dazzle your friends a little bit. But these, these Christophanies, these appearances of Jesus before Bethlehem are really awesome. They're, they're leading us to Old Testament, but it's leading us to Jesus. Here's one of the best ones. You know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember that story? So Babylon comes and takes all of Israel and drags them kicking and screaming over to Babylon, right? And they're treating them terrible or whatever. And King Nebuchadnezzar makes this huge statue, 90 foot tall statue, and he says, everybody's gonna worship that statue. That's the same thing as worshiping me. And so every day we're gonna play music, and when you hear the music, right? If you grew up in a town with a tornado warning, the right? If you grew up in that kind of town, that's what it was. They would play the loud music. When the music happens, everybody kneels down and worships this idol, right? Everybody does. And everybody did, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hebrew boys, and they refused to do it. And so the penalty for that was you get publicly burned to death. So they created this huge furnace, right? They drag these three guys over there. They tie them all up, tie up their hands, tie up their feet. They throw them in the furnace. It's so hot that the guards died, Right? It, it cooked the guards, throwing them in the furnace. So here's these three guys in there. They're all tied up. And so the, the king kind of waits for a minute, and then he looks in, and he says, oh, wait a minute. Didn't we throw three guys in there? And, you know, they check the clipboard, and they say, Shadrach, Meshach. Yeah, three. got three. Right? And he's going like, I don't know what's happened. Look what he says. This is Daniel 3.25. The king said, look, 
I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. So they pull him out, and they're not tied up, and they're not hurt, and the Bible says their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. Who was the fourth person? It's a Christophany. That was Jesus before Bethlehem. So the Old Testament never mentions Jesus by name, but the whole story leads to him. So you, you can read about Jesus in the Gospels, you can read about Jesus in the New Testament letters, you can read about Jesus in the whole Old Testament, and you can read, listen, I'm giving you permission, you can read about Jesus in other extra biblical books, right? There's, there's, there's lots of books to read alongside the Bible to help you learn Christ. I'm gonna give you a few suggestions, okay? Here's your little bibliography. Um, there's a book called Jesus the King, written by Tim Keller. Um, I don't normally like you guys to listen to Tim Keller or read him because then it makes me look stupid comparatively. But genius, genius book. It's called Jesus the King. Um, one of my favorite books all time is from a guy named Vaughn Roberts. It's called God's Big Picture, Tracing the Storyline of the Bible. Here's a spoiler alert. The whole storyline is leading up to Jesus. So it goes through the whole, starting in the Garden of Eden and works all the way through and is showing us how it's all ultimately pointing to Jesus. Um, N.T. Wright wrote a really interesting book called Simply Jesus, A New Vision of Who He Was, What He Did, and Why He Matters. That is a super, super good, really fascinating, different look at Jesus. Um, there's a book called Union with Christ by a guy named Rankin Wilborn that's all about our connection to Jesus, being in Christ. That's a super, super brilliant book. So, so one the way that we can learn Christ is to read him. And the reason I put that in quotes is because if you're not a big reader, there's a ton of other types of media that can help you learn Christ. So your reading time might be watching a video or your reading time might be listening to something. So I'll give you a couple of suggestions on that. Um, there's a thing called Right Now Media. You familiar with Right Now Media? Remember a couple of months ago when you kept getting that text that they were gonna cancel your Netflix account and they needed your social security number or whatever? Did you guys get that? You didn't get that? Am I the only one? Did they really cancel my Netflix account? Um, so anyway, that was a common thing. Uh, people would do some scam or something. They would send you this thing and it says, oh, your Netflix account is about to expire, so give us your credit card number. We'll take it from there or something. So anyway, here's the good news about Right Now Media. It's basically the same thing as Netflix, except it's all Christian content. It's great teaching all the way from like Veggie Tales to Tim Keller, right? It's all kinds of preaching, all kinds of teaching, all kinds of lessons, all kinds of videos, all about the Bible, all about Jesus. And here's the good news about Right Now Media. CBCB has already paid your subscription. So you, you don't have to pay anything. They will not cancel you. you don't, all you have to do is sign up. So if you need help signing up, put it on your connection card this week or call the church this week and we'll make sure that you get hooked up. But I mean, right now media is genius. So maybe during your hour you say, you know what, I just, I'm not a reader, man. I just, I'm just not a reader. Great, well, then you can sit down and watch a video on right now media. So that's a great one. Um, there's a movie called The Jesus Film. Clever name. Um, and it's basically a movie which is the book of Luke. And, you know, a lot of these movies, like if you saw the Ten Commandments back in the day, it's like, doesn't have a whole lot in common with the actual biblical story. But the, the Jesus film is really, really accurate. In fact, in that movie, I believe every word that Jesus says is directly out of the book of Luke. 
So that's a, that's, yeah, watch that. That'd be a great way to learn, to learn Christ. Um, if you're up for it, uh, there's a movie from not too long ago called The Passion of the Christ. It's all about Jesus' betrayal and conviction and crucifixion. Yeah, it is rated R. It's like horrifically violent. But it tells and it shows the story of the sacrifice that Jesus made and really what he went through for us in a really compelling way, a really um, emotional way. Um, the Chosen is awesome. It's a TV miniseries, and it's all about Jesus. It, that, spend an hour watching that. Um, I'll tell you, it's, um, it does have um, extra biblical stories added to it, right? So, like, um, uh, Peter is in tax trouble in The Chosen. Um, that's not really in the Bible, right? That's kind of added, right? Thomas is falling in love with the girl that brought the wine to the wedding in Cana. So that's not really in the Bible. Right? That's a little, little side thing or something like that. But it, a lot of it is super, super biblical. Um, and the thing I like about The Chosen is it like puts a face on those people. It's easy to read these stories and it's like, like I don't know, they don't seem like real people to us. They don't seem like real characters to us. What does that have to do with me? And what it has to do with you is you're a lot like Peter. You're a lot like Andrew. Your life is really a lot like James's life, right? And so that, that book puts skin on the characters. And Jesus is portrayed beautifully, beautifully in that show. So The Chosen is awesome. And then if you've been here very long, you know I'm going to say something about The Bible Project. If, if, you, don't, if, you're, if you don't go to thebibleproject.com, I'll give you three choices. Go to thebibleproject.com or get the Bible Project app or you're not saved. That's all I got. <laughs> Choose. Choose this day. Choose this day. What you, the Bible Project is awesome. It's got videos. When you first watch them, you're going to think they're for kids. And I'm going to tell you in five minutes, I dare you to watch. It's got like all the books of the Bible. Each one. Pick, your, pick a book that you know better than any book. Pick Jonah or one of these books that you know inside and out and watch their five or six minute video on that topic, on that book, I guarantee you, you will under, have a profound new understanding of that book. And that's just the books. It also has videos about just different themes and storylines that go throughout the Bible and stuff. It's got amazing podcasts. It's got seminary level classes. I've taken four or five classes through the Bible Project. It's just, it's just beautiful. And the whole thing, they say, is to help people see the Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. And so these are, these are all great. I mean, these, these are all good ways that we can learn Christ. It, it probably starts with the Gospels and the rest of the Bible, but there's a million ways to learn Christ by reading, by listening, by watching videos. If you, if you want to learn Christ, um, you can read about him. Um, you can also talk about him. It's a great way to learn Christ is to have conversations about him. Um, you guys know my wife, Margaret? You know her? Um, if you really wanna know Margaret, but you can't like talk to her, you know what you should do? Talk to me, talk to me. I've known her for 44 years. I met her before she was even born. <laughs> so we got married, I was five, she was four. We dated for a year before that, so I know a lot about her. And I know what she loves, and I know what she hates, and I know some great stories about her and some stuff that she said. I know where the bodies are buried, man. So if you wanna, you can learn a lot about Margaret by talking to me. But you know what's interesting? You could also learn a lot by talking to her sisters. 
You can also learn a lot by talking to her kids. You can also learn a lot by talking to her grandkids. You can also learn a lot by talking to her friends because we all know her really well, but we all know her in different ways because we've all experienced her in slightly different ways. And if you wanna know Jesus, talk to people that have experienced him and, and people whose lives he's changed and listen to their stories, right? And, and, and discuss scripture with them and compare notes with them and, and talk about him with them because they've probably experienced him or understood his teachings or read something different than you about him. It's like Jesus is this amazing mosaic puzzle and each one of us has a piece, right? And, and, and the more you talk to others about him, the more complete your picture of him becomes. The Bible was never intended to be a book that we read through and that's it. It was never intended, to, it, it's, it's supposed to be meditated on. It's supposed to be marinated in. It's supposed to be talked about and kicked around and discussed for a lifetime. People send me emails all the time and they'll say, hey, you said this about scripture on Sunday and I don't wanna fight with you, but I think this. And like they're really afraid they're gonna offend me. That doesn't offend me a bit. I love that conversation. That's maybe I'm gonna get a new perspective. Maybe you're gonna get a new perspective. There's something really valuable about talking. You can, you can learn a lot about Jesus just by reading the Gospels or studying the whole Bible or reading these extra biblical books or watching videos, but you can also learn a lot about Christ just by talking about him with others. I mean, that's, that's why we have life groups, right? Life groups are amazing for lots of reasons. Fellowship, mutual uh, encouragement, support, fun, right? Life groups are amazing for lots of different reasons, but it's also a chance to talk about Jesus with other people. Well, what's he been like for you? You know, well, how do you read that passage? Well, what do you think he meant when he said this? Well, why do you think he did that? Why do you think he did this? There's, there's Life groups are an amazing opportunity to learn Christ through talking about Jesus. And we have lots of life groups. A lot's going on on Wednesday nights right now. We keep talking about that, but we've got life groups that meet just about every single day. Some of them are at homes, some of them are at church, some of them are at coffee shops. So if you're not in a life group, I'd really encourage you to get in one. You can go to our website and find Shane Aldridge. He's our life groups director. Email him, lifegroups at mycbcb, and he'll help you find a life group. There's a little tool on there to help you find a life group. Um, but I mean, think about finding a life group. It's really a good chance to experience Jesus just by talking to other people about him. So we can, we can learn Christ by reading about him. We can learn Christ by talking about him. But one of the best ways to learn Christ is by talking to him. Um, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, look, I stand in at the door and I lock, I knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, he doesn't say like you'll, you'll have a new understanding, right? That's Gnosticism, right? It's not that you're gonna have a new understanding. He says, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. You can talk to Jesus, right? Not just, not just read about him, not just talk about him. If you wanna really know him, you have to talk to him. J Yahweh is a relational God. And the whole story of Jesus, the whole story of the Bible is the story of God wanting to repair and restore his relationship with man. And Jesus could have fixed this. Jesus could have saved us with a word, right? He created everything with just a word. He could have fixed everything with just a word. He could have just like flipped a switch, but he chose, right? He, he wanted to be Emmanuel, 
right? What does that mean? God with us. Jesus chose intentionally to reveal himself to us in person. And Christianity is not the same thing as biblical scholarship. It's not the same thing. It's, it's, it's knowing Jesus is more than just knowing about Jesus. It's, it's a relationship. So we're talking about Margaret today. Even if I wrote a comprehensive book about Margaret, right, a thousand pages long, and it detailed every gory detail of her life, stories about her, things she did, things she said, even if you read that book a thousand times, you would never know her like I know her. You see that? See the difference? If you read the book, you would know that she loves family because the book would have pictures of family. Right? But I know she loves family because I've been with her in her family. It's a whole different thing. Right? You, you'd know that she's funny because on page 124 it would tell her favorite joke. But I know she's funny because we've laughed together a million times. You see the difference? You would know she's compassionate because the book says so. But I've cried with her about other people's pain. You read the book, you, you would know about the hurts in her life because you read about them. But that's not the same as being with her when those things happen. You see that? You would know that she loves chips and queso because it's in every chapter. But I know it because of all the times that she's hogged it from me. You see the difference? It's, it's one thing to know about someone, and it's a whole different thing to know that person. Reading about Jesus and talking about Jesus are amazing ways to know him, but to really know him. You have to know him, right? You have to experience him, you have to talk to him, you have to be with him, you have to experience his love and his mercy and his strength and his passion. And then once you've really gotten to know him, not just know about him, once you've really gotten to know him, you will be closer to him. You will be more like him. And you will be ready to answer questions that come in about him. Because no matter what the question is, you can always say, let me tell you how Jesus loves me. Right? Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Let me how Jesus, tell you how Jesus has changed me. Let me tell you about my hope in Jesus, which is where the whole thing starts, right? That verse in 1 Peter says, be ready to explain your hope in Jesus. So if we're gonna do that, we need to learn him. And we can learn him by reading about him, by talking about him, and by talking to him. So. The commission from Jesus, right, our assignment should we choose to accept it, is to tell the whole world the good news about God's kingdom. And you know, these great spiritually gifted, specially called public evangelists, they do that with a sermon or a stage or a microphone. But the rest of us can be part of that commission too. And it starts with these missional habits. So every week, we're gonna bless three people one of whom is not a CBCB person. We're gonna eat with three people, one of whom is not a CBCB person. We're gonna spend at least some time listening to the Holy Spirit, and we're gonna spend some time learning Christ. We just, we just live these questionable lives, 
And when the questions come up, we answer them graciously and attractively and gently and respectfully. And we become part of God's plan to redeem the world. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, again, man, just every, t- every week, we've, we've, I've thought this, thank you for bringing your kingdom here, and thank you for, for, for replacing this broken, ugly, hateful, painful world with your world, and thank you because you've chosen to bring it here through us. So we need to spread this good news that your kingdom is coming, that there's room for everyone here, and that you're making people right and good and clean and holy enough to be citizens of your new kingdom. We wanna help with that. We wanna spread this good news. And thank you, because you've called some people, man, they're so eloquent, they always say it right, and they know just what to say, and they're perfect, wonderful, bold evangelists. But Lord, thank you, because you've included the rest of us too. You've given each one of us an opportunity to tell the world the good news about Jesus. And all we have to do is live these questionable lives and to be ready to answer the question. So this week, Lord, help us. We're not, we're not getting rid of the other three. We're adding this to the other habits. Help us to add this thing about learning Christ. Give us a passion for your word. Give us a passion for even podcasts and videos and sermons or any way we can drink in more information about you. Give us a, a hunger to know Jesus more so that we can be ready when people ask these questions. Thank you, Jesus, for including us in your plan to redeem the world. In your name, amen. Okay, one quick thing before you go. So we've been talking a lot about the summer nights thing. Every Wednesday night, we're kind of practicing the stuff that we talked about on Sunday. And so this week, it's about learning Christ. And so what we're gonna do on Wednesday night, and you don't have to be in one of these groups, it's open to everybody. At 6.30 this Wednesday night, we're gonna screen an episode of The Chosen in here. So it's gonna be movie night. It's gonna be just like going to the movies. It's gonna be 40 below zero in here. We're gonna have $12 popcorn, you name it. We're gonna have it all. So we're gonna have popcorn and you know those horrible Little League nachos like they have at the movies? We're gonna have that. Um, Whoppers, Raisinets, Twizzlers. We may wanna have the big debate about Twizzlers versus Red Vine. That can all happen in the lobby. But then we're gonna come in here, and listen, uh, the, the Chosen is awesome. It has lots of different stories, but the one we're gonna watch is one of my very, very favorite ones. It, talks, it shows some really important things about Jesus. And so hope that you can join us for that. It's at 6.30 on this Wednesday night. See you then. God bless you guys.